<laughs> oh. What? Unless you I, don't own a drill? I don't have one in my apartment. I think I owned a drill at some point, but I just don't have a drill in my apartment. I have a screwdriver. I have most of the handy tools that you generally need. Welcome to the 28th episode of the Belligerent Beast Podcast. We're talking about tools and shit. <laughs> Chainsaws, drills. Chainsaws, turnover drill. That's the new... <laughs> <laughs> Why would you get a turnover drill, though? Like, what could you associate with that? that? No, well, because like it's sack? like you... You get a you, sack drill? You run a drill in practice to practice getting better at forcing turnovers. <laughs> So it's more practical, but not as cool on the sidelines. Like a little handheld drill. Should have a pancake drill. Every time an offensive lineman gets a pancake, yeah. they drill them. <laughs> Jesus. They're gonna <laughs> say they should have pancakes on the sidelines. So like, you know how cornerbacks. Oh yeah, you do like a, you have a pancake breakfast. Right. After oh. getting the pancake. But during the a game, pancake you, get a, pancake. you get a pancake <laughs> and you have to run to the sideline and just inhale a bunch of shorts, a short stack and then go back out there and keep playing football. <laughs> it, it keeps things fair. So all yeah. the good defensive linemen are just loaded up on carbs. Exactly. Most yeah. uh, strength and conditioning coaches recommend it. Um, this oh. uh, is par- partially, I wouldn't say the saddest moment, but uh, this is a, uh, the first, we're recording this on Sunday, December 19th, 2021. So uh, it's a day after Oregon State football season ended in an unfortunate fashion uh, at the tune of a 24-13 loss to Utah State in the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl. Uh, congratulations to the Aggies who simply outplayed us and got the win. Uh, but it's that point of the year where it's like the longest time before there's a Beaver football again. So that's a kind of, kind of a bummer, even though I think – this whole fall has been a net positive. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we're going to get into that. We've got some very special guests uh, on tap tonight who will be joining us in about 20, 20 minutes or so. The reception king of Oregon State football, the school's all-time leader in receptions, Marcus Wheaton, will be joining hey. the show. Yeah. And not, not just Marcus, the dude who uh, lined up uh, opposite Marcus uh, in practice every day on some of the best teams uh, in recent Beaver memory. One of uh, my favorite Oregon State defensive backs we've uh, ever had and who led the team in interceptions that uh, amazing 2012 year. And the 2013 Hawaii Bowl MVP Rashad Reynolds is also going to be joining us. So that is very exciting. We'll be getting into that later. Um, but also, yeah, save for uh, Oregon State losing at sports. How has your weekend been, <laughs> gentlemen? Uh, JP, how are you living? Good. We did my daughter's first birthday party. Happy birthday, Penny May. Yeah. The, Happy birthday. The princess baby. What you, what you guys do? <laughs> we just had people over at the house, um, like food, pizza, kind of hangout, gather. What, I mean, what do you really do for a first birthday? like first birthday other than like have your friends over so uh she doesn't have like a whole lot of you know baby friends and even if they did it is like a a covid outbreak again so right uh, some people opted out which uh definitely understand but uh, it was still a good showing and then 
the majority of people who were Beaver fans, which was the majority of people in attendance, stayed to watch the game. So shout out nice. Funky Paul Molina, Dr. Ted Zava. Nice. Dr. Ted Zava made an appearance on the uh, the Twitter spaces that we had on Thursday. That was Wednesday. That was, was it Wednesday? Wednesday? I realized that as soon as I said it. Yeah. Well, it, 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 what bled, is it? it bled into Thursday for me. And you know how you uh, <laughs> you give me shit, JP, because I have uh, the one hour limit on my phone for Twitter and Instagram, which really is just me challenging myself when I hit that hour during the day, because I almost what's always your, hit it. And then it's what's like your willpower like. Yeah. And it's like it says ignore limit for 15 minutes, uh, close the app or ignore for the rest of the day. Then on Thursday morning, I like woke up and, uh, you know, I was getting ready for work and I just like went on Twitter for a little bit. And then like almost immediately, it was like five minutes left until you hit your limit for the day. And I was like, wait, what the hell? And then I realized that our Twitter spaces went well after midnight central time. <laughs> so I had, I had been on Twitter for like 45, 50 minutes uh, on a very early uh, Thursday morning. But Wednesday night was so fun. That was great. So, yeah, thank you, Ted, for coming and shout out to everyone who showed up uh in the twitter spaces who uh kept their uh grabbed their ball and stayed a while it was it was a universally good time i know a few people signed on and voted that it wasn't wasn't fun in the twitter <laughs> twitter poll yeah what was that about <laughs> overall hey that means like 104 people i think 200 people voted or not 120 no, like 120 voted. voted i think so 100 like 105 people had fun and 15 people are haters yeah. and i think that's a pretty good <laughs> ratio yeah, who voted it wasn't fun? We didn't. You didn't have to go. It was the exact <laughs> same. It was the exact same metrics of uh, Penelope's first birthday party. Uh, 120 <laughs> people showed up. 105 people had fun, and 15 people were like, "This is bullshit." And if you're the people complaining that a one-year-old's birthday party is bullshit, I think you need to take a long look in the mirror <laughs> and reevaluate what you're hating on. Yeah, I'll, I want to piggyback on this, though. I want to shout out to all of our listeners and anyone on social media that's been engaging with us outside of the spaces this season. This is really like where things picked up for our engagement Absolutely. and our listenership was due to the interest around us talking about football and in conversing with us about football. And uh, really, we've we've heard some awesome things from people. And we really appreciate like all the kind words or all the motivation, people saying things like, they want us to do pregame shows. They want us to do weekly live segments. I mean, if I had enough hours in the day, I would talk beeves with, especially with you right. two, all all day and night. But uh, I don't know how much more we'll be able to squeeze in. We'll try to do a little bit more. I know we have some stuff in the works potentially, but uh, even just even just people saying those kind of things to us is like, right. you know, really meaningful. We appreciate that. It's like in yeah. one. 80 minute podcast episode we get maybe about 10 minutes of actual relevant talk so i don't know how we would fill a pregame show um if we ever need to like appear like on camera in like a jacket and tie to talk to talk about beaver football we'll just know the universe is ending but <laughs> we are a podcast for your ears and not for your eyes not for your that is yeah. so true but we're all handsome as hell, though, so I I am not opposed to that development. If any uh, t television producers are listening, but yeah, the spaces was sick. Uh, special shout out to Aaron Magnuson too, who's been listening for a while. Uh, yeah, Oregon State offensive lineman. It was like I was in the spaces and. Aaron just kept announcing like more names of other people here. Like, <laughs> like Aaron did, you did a perfect job. I'm assuming Aaron's listening. You did a perfect job of just like announcing when someone notable who you want to pass the mic to was available, like without like taking it over, like 
either. <laughs> like Aaron did it, a better job running the Twitter spaces and it was our Twitter spaces. And yeah. it was just like, and now let's kick it to Damian Martinez. And I was like, wait, one of our most prized recruits is here. <laughs> um, hey, shout, yeah. out, shout out uh, at Beaver Bullpen too. He's oh, yeah. always, oh, yeah. he's Beaver always, was yeah. the guy who really got this going. Beaver Bullpen and Beaver Recruiting who really were just like, Hey, everyone, show the hell up to this. Yeah. Um, so you two, for sure. Um, awesome. Yeah, B Recruiting was promoting like crazy. That was awesome. Yeah. yeah. Love and, that. Yeah. Carter Baines showing up for an over an hour to talk was, that was awesome. was great. Yeah. Um, Coach, uh, Coach Doc. Coach Doc, James Dockery, uh, elite Oregon State defensive back from, uh, from our era. So that was great to see. And Marcus Graves. I know Howard Kroon was in it for a little bit. Um, we had Brian, Brian Fenley was there too. Fenley knows. Fenley was there. He, yeah. he told me he couldn't figure out how to, how to speak when we <laughs> handed him the speaking privileges. That was his first two spaces. <laughs> but he said he'll, he'll be happy to join and talk on the next one as well. But yeah, Tim nice. Ewis, that was awesome Good. to get, to get like a, like a, a throwback perspective. Um, I mean, talk about like, you know, legendary Fiesta Bowl status. Like that's super cool that he was on there engaging with fans. Love that. Tight end Tim. Yeah. I, that's what I was, because uh, Jimmy Kimmel was. I I, tur- I turned ours down because Jimmy Kimmel joined uh, Scott Van Pelt on Sports Center, and I, I assumed like Jimmy wasn't gonna say anything. We're on first name terms with him now, Jimmy. Uh, he, he, <laughs> he, he he politely declined appearing on the pod, but said he has listened to every episode and thinks we're doing a great job. That's a real story, um, and, and and so I just looked. I glanced back at my phone and just saw the. Tim Ewis uh, avatar with the noise sound thing, sound bar going up and down, whatever. I don't know the what indicator. that's indicator. The indicator. So then, yeah. I, then, I, then, then I you're muted. a writer. Uh, then I muted. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a writer on a podcast, and I don't even know what the fuck that's called. Uh, so then I then I muted everything and uh, turned uh, Tim up. So I, I missed the uh, very beginning of what Ewis uh, had to say, but heard like most of it after that, um, and it lasted for a while. And there's always I remember thinking that I was like kind of dying. Like at first we had like 60 people in it, and then it went down to like 20. But then I went back and looked again, and it was like 55, 60, 65 again. So I have no idea how many total people cycled through it. But everyone who did, like, that's just, uh, man, the most reaffirming shit for us. And uh, Well, and I think that, that, like, if you remember when Twitter first started, there was a lot of engagement with, quote, unquote, like, celebrities and common folks, if you will. And, like, I think you can make the same sort of assertment on what we had with Twitter spaces. Like it gave a different unique opportunity for some of these X players who were sort of like, like you saw them play every Saturday, but not someone that you could strike up a conversation with whenever you wanted. And, and hopefully we can, we can sort of provide that uh, environment uh, going forward. I thought that was one of the coolest things out of it. Yeah. And like, if you look like Tim, for example, he's always engaging with fans and and other Beaver fans on on Twitter and it's just it's just cool to kind of do it collectively because a lot of stuff that happens on Twitter now is things are buried in replies and threads so you kind of miss like oh wow I didn't realize that he, like he had this whole really sweet conversation with this other fan like analyzing an aspect of the game that would have been really cool for every fan to have uh read but like now right. with Twitter spaces it does kind of level that playing field again and it, it brings to the surface all this like cool all these cool insights from ex players or celebrities that you were saying Benny like where they can um, really engage with fans uh, on like a on like a level field again 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's cool. So on that, we should definitely do more. I don't know how yeah. we're going to do more. We got to give it a name and do this something more regularly, I think, because I right. I envision that people probably like that as much as like there's something about like appointment TV, appointment right. entertainment, right? Like mm-hmm. people just kind of like appointment being, holiday parties, appointment holiday parties, <laughs> <I was laughs> appointment Twitter happy. spaces. Dude, when I wrote uh, when I wrote this into the notes, uh, belligerent is recognized as a word by Google Docs. Nice. They, they didn't redline it at all. I listened all. Like, to you. So, yeah, happy belligerent, and thank you to everyone uh, who joined. We'll for sure do some off – and it's not necessarily off-season. You know, like we're in the middle of basketball season, which, you know, it's unfortunate that the men's team doesn't look like it's going to make the NCAA tournament this year. I don't know. So about there's, that, not, yeah. there's not the same juice. I mean, technically, if you win your conference tournament, you still can. We haven't lost a Pac-12 conference tournament game That's yet. That's right. The, the um, door that was open to us last year is still open to us so this year. It would be so hilarious if we made the Elite Eight after going one and done. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Not, uh, but, yeah, we'll, we'll figure some stuff out. We'll probably do uh, some things around baseball as well. And uh, with the uh, when we come up on the NFL draft, we we know we football is not what drives the whole show, but it is a, a significant part of it. Um, we'll we'll find some fun stuff. Yeah, and the, the offseason is uh, three weeks shorter this year. Thanks to a uh, a bowl game, so exactly. football season will be here before you know it. It absolutely. Yeah, I will think be. John Canzano put it out there. It's approximately six thousand two hundred hours from earlier. Today. Yeah, and we'll be so broadcasting right live on Twitter Spaces for every one of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, Penny, how are you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. I um. Uh, obviously uh watched the bowl game yesterday and um and, and we'll get into this more but that was an odd sort of emotional roller coaster to go through i felt very very good uh, after the first drive and um that was sort of the climax of the game uh but i think that um you know it was good to see some of the players uh, that have been there for a, a long time get to play in a bowl game um and it's something to build on you know, it's uh, I, I know Utah State was sort of in the same situation. They had won like, what, two or three games last year and ended up winning 10 this year. So they're in a turnaround season as well. But I think it's something that Oregon State can learn from. Um, and, and in all honesty, like I just had fun watching it because it was a game that at the end of the day, like didn't matter a whole lot of who won. Um, it was nice to just see Oregon State in a postseason game. So I had a great weekend. How are you uh, feeling physically? We we missed you in the spaces last night because I know that yeah. uh, that uh, that booster was uh, doing a number on your immune system, dude. And it was weird. Yeah, so I got my booster. Uh, it was actually Friday evening, uh, and it p- kept me down for about twenty four hours. But it was weird because the first two vaccination shots that I got, like I was a little tired, but really didn't really feel like not too many side effects. And this one just was way different. So um you were tired yeah did you just have a uh, too big of no i felt like <laughs> no i felt <laughs> like i had the flu uh this time around yikes yeah it was pretty bad uh um, what did you, what did you get for your first two shot what kind of vaccine did you get pfizer and sa- yeah. and same for this one you got the the pfizer booster okay. yeah yeah that's the one i, I did j and j i was the a, a, a one a one shot one shot charlie yeah my first vaccine (laughs) and i got the moderna booster uh and the same day i also got my flu shot 
and I don't know why, but they're like, do you have an arm preference? I was like, you can just put them in both in the same arm. And, and then your uh, arm fell off. Then that arm fell. I was doing the Peloton boxing thing, and I, I uh, threw one cross, and my whole arm just went across the room. Like <laughs> it's, it's still there too. I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know how to get it back on. Uh, so that's you know my uh, that's my new off season project. Yeah, um, but you look great. Yeah. Oh, pal. Thanks. Thanks. I feel way better. Um, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Niners Wayne probably felt pretty good for both of you guys this afternoon. Yeah. uh, yeah. And the way they won felt even better. Dude, Debo knocking that guy's mouthpiece off his face was amazing. And you, I saw it flew in the air. I was just like, yeah, what was that? But (laughs) I mean, can you imagine being a, uh, even a safety with Debo coming at you full steam is a scary thought. How do you tackle that guy? Go low, man. I think I that's just the run only away way. From him. Armed, yeah, arm tackles are just gonna hurt so bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah Niners win was good. I'm happy about that one. Beavers' loss was rough, but Benny, like you said, it's it's disappointing. But at the same mm-hmm. point, big picture, this is like a great milestone for the yeah. program. Yeah, and I don't think that it's. Um, I mean, like I would say even like 10 years ago, but certainly like 15, 20 years ago, it would be fairly embarrassing to lose to a Mountain West school in a bowl game. But um, I think now the competition is so much closer that it's I mean, the fact that it was Utah State doesn't it doesn't really no, pay in a factor at all. And, and in all honesty, like up until the bowl game. You're sort of those games matter almost more because you're jockeying for position of which bowl game you're gonna play in. So there wasn't that element of like there's a lot riding on this game in terms of future implications. So that it, it almost made watching the game a um a little less stressful, which was nice. Right. Um, let's get into some beverages and what we are uh, sipping on uh, for this evening. Uh, this is uh, the last uh, episode we'll record before christmas day uh so merry christmas uh, and happy holidays and happy belligemous uh, to you happy belligemous um, belligemous and so my my beer is uh, themed as such but uh as as we do we will be starting with benny uh benny what is yeah. your beverage of the beverage of the week it's um yeah so i i've just i'm I had another edible, which I like <laughs> doing that more than uh, the beverage before these. And uh, I don't, <laughs> I I did not get the name of the edible, but it's delicious. And he I ate will, it too fast. I will say like, the name before the end of the episode. Do you, do you, do you even have like, like, do you have water? Yeah. Okay. A big old jug of it. Whoa. It that's like in the jug. Goldschlager. That is a jug. No, that's it's, a simply uh, grapefruit. Oh. Uh, bottle <laughs> yeah. yeah it did kind of look like water. a gold schlager bottle okay so uh yeah they're uh, they're good um Eats. i would still i would still go with the pioneer squares that i had last week those were very delicious nice. much better there's a uh i have a weed cookie that's been in my freezer for a really long time what? Because... it's like not a girl scout cookie no, hey, my, what are you my... doing procrastinating i don't i don't know what well, my, my my homie homie wade shout out wade uh gave it to me and was like if you don't eat it like in the next couple of days you should freeze it and i was like okay so i froze it and i was like how much of this should i have he said barely even a bite 
because it really messed me up. And so nice. for next week, I, I, do I want you to have half of it. <laughs> I don't want to have half. I keep thinking like I'm gonna like like I like when Fast Nine came out. I was like I'm gonna have part of it. I'm gonna like go see Fast Nine or something, and that just didn't happen. No, you don't um, want to go out. Don't go out. I think, yeah, there's. I, I'm still having. <laughs> I haven't seen. I, I've been trying to catch up on the whole MCU because I've just like that. I just missed that. It just didn't happen. So like, I think I'll take it and then just watch like a bunch of Marvel movies and try to catch up at some point. Um, I would, if I could make a recommendation, I would say take it and rewatch. I think you should leave. And um, <laughs> it is, it is a fantastic experience. I do. I love, I think you should leave. Uh, it's it's maybe, my favorite maybe, show now. Maybe I'll do that. Uh, yeah. yeah. We need to talk more about I think you should leave in our, in our yes, friendship we do. Uh, rather J- than just send memes of it to each other. I know. JP, uh, <laughs> J- J- it looks like you have another delicious. Uh, it's It looks like a double IPA. Well, it I, is. So, Good guess. Yeah. Wow. 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 We really need to change it up. It's, <laughs> no. it's, it's Benny has an edible. JP has a double IPA. And I'm furious. Triple and like, fisting. Triple fisting just different <laughs> bourbons and throwing my microphone, <laughs> cursing Kirk Cousins. Why is anyone still listening to this? It's been the same thing 28 times I think over. this is our most skipped segment. Stop <laughs> skipping this segment, listeners. This is our personality. This is how we're going to get a sponsor. Who we are. <laughs> we can't show the sponsor the data and be like, well, they're always skipping the beer segment, but you should sponsor it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm drinking an Eject Mind Capsule Super Saturated Double IPA with El Dorado and Idaho 7 Hops from New Image Brewing in Colorado, Arveda, Arvada, Colorado. Don't know where that is. I've only been to Denver and Boulder, so I don't really know much about Colorado. Uh, it's really good, like all my beers. I only pick good ones. So nice. you should just, someone has to catalog all these beers, Terry. I know. I said I'd do it over winter break. Who has winter said, break which, anymore? How old are you? Well, I am a fucking Oh, yeah, you do teacher. have winter break. I do have winter break. God damn. But, do you have summer break, too? No. I still <laughs> I, – I don't get, like, summer break – the way you would understand it. I still have to go to the office nine to five during the summer, but we are, uh, my office is closed the week between Christmas and new year's. Uh, that's next but also, week. That's I know. <laughs> so, okay. That's not, that's I not thought you meant you were on, week. I thought you meant you were on winter break right now. So no. you're not blasting like Alice Cooper schools out for summer and your no. Toyota Corolla especially, every June. Especially since one of the programs <laughs> I am in charge of is the low residency program that starts on January 6th, and it's supposed to be a bunch of people flying into the Twin Cities for 12 days. And with how much worse Omicron's making everything, we might need to flip it to virtual this late in the game. So I'm actually kind of freaking out. But we didn't come here to talk about day jobs. Uh, but so it might not be the let's most. Let's talk about night blissful. jobs. Let's talk about <laughs> night jobs, Working which is on this some job. Night jobs. And the Christmas ale that I am drinking. Look oh, how beautiful that label wow. is from Bell's yeah, that's Brewing. Nice. I want to sit um, right I've, next to that tree. I want to sit next to this tree and just drink this. It's a traditional Scotch ale that's rich and malty with notes of caramel and a warm finish, certain to make any occasion festive. And I like this part of their description, or at least a bit more bearable. Enjoy with the company of friends and family. They are uh, speaking directly at a specific 
group of people with that. And <laughs> yep, yep. And I, I love it. You know, I, I can't do this. I, I have about a two week window where I can enjoy a nice, thick Christmas ale. Uh, and we're in it right now. So I'm having this Christmas ale from uh, Bell's in uh, Comstock, Michigan. Famous for their nice. Bell's Too Hearted, but, you know, they have other good stuff, too. I was just talking to my dad about that, by the way, where mm-hmm. it, it seems like, for one, it's, like, hard to find, like, a real winter ale or something that's, like, you know, for, like, this, like, time of the year. I feel like – and same with during the whole, like, pumpkin time of the year – it used to be like everything was saturated with like with holiday themed beers and limited releases. Yeah. And there was nothing really this year and let alone even if you found it, it feels like the window to drink them is smaller and smaller. He keeps complaining that at our family's cabin last year I bought a bunch of pumpkin beers and they're still there. A bunch of them are still there. So. Oh god. Yeah, I feel like I, pumpkin beer does not age very well either. I feel like no. that's how a lot of seasonal beers work, though. Yeah, yeah. And with with like Christmas and winter ale things, like now it's I'm still on Christmas season starts the day after Thanksgiving, but most people start that the day after Halloween now. It seems so. You can definitely drink a Christmas ale all November and all December and probably all January and get away with it. The pumpkin one's hard because you know fall is much less uh defined and sort of dependent on where you are in the world and i don't know if you lived in like a super like warm climate area like i don't know that i'd want to if i lived in phoenix i don't think i'd be slamming pumpkin beer on october 1st (laughs) when it's still 90 degrees outside let's ask marcus i don't know if i'd be slamming a thick winter ale if it was 90 degrees outside either yeah but it gets a little bit cooler did you guys see right? this? Yeah. 87 degrees today in Miami. Yeah. 87 really? degrees in Miami today. It was 80 degrees in Hawaii today, which is where I'm going in February. Which island are you going to? Uh, I, There's a wedding in Honolulu, so Oahu. Nice. nice. Yeah. I've never been to Oahu before, so I'm excited. Which so, island have you been to? Maui, but when I was a little kid and I got sunburnt as shit the first, like, <laughs> or second day that I was there. Hell so, yeah. yeah. So this awesome. is bound to be a better trip. Y'all, JP, hit me with the guest intro music. As promised at the top of this episode, we are joined by the uh, all-time leader in receptions in Oregon State history, um, as well as one of the best cornerbacks to ever wear the black and orange. Both Arizona guys currently, uh, and both Pac-12, all Pac-12 selections, Marcus Wheaton and Rashad Reynolds. Hey, what's up, Marcus? What's up, fellas? Can you hear me? Yeah, what's going yeah, on? Yeah, sound great. Yeah, let me check with check with Rashad, see what he's looking like. We're not waiting here too long. Cool. All right, we'll uh, we'll keep waiting for Rashad, but we might as well, uh, Marcus. I want to be mindful of uh, of your time as well. Um, so I think um, we should uh, just get get started, and we'll uh, loop Rashad in um, if 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 and when he's uh, able to join. Um, so we're definitely going to ask uh, you know talk some football and uh, you know relive some uh, some memories from your incredible uh, Beaver career. As we mentioned before, you signed in. The uh, we're <clears throat> privileged to be joined by the uh, all-time receptions leader in uh, Oregon State history. Um, but what are uh, what has your life been like uh, post football? Uh, what have you been doing now? We know you've been very active in the the Phoenix area and in the real estate market. 
market. Um, so, you know, I know Beaver Nation's always interested in hearing uh, what our players uh, get up to uh, after they uh, hang up their cleats. And I know you've got a pretty uh, incredible story there. So just what have the last uh, number of years been like uh, since you've uh, stopped playing football? Uh, it's, it's been, like you said, kids and real estate. <laughs> um, heavy. Uh, so I jumped into the real estate game probably 2017, right? Um, I mean, before that, I let me just rewind. When I first got in, I was uh, I was um, spending a lot of money. First got into the NFL, spending a lot of money, right? Made a lot of money at a young age and tried to find something to get into with it. Um, after I saw how it just disappears from your bank account, apparently. Um, so once I figured that out, I had to find somewhere to put my money where I could uh, kind of preserve it. And uh, that's when I found real estate. So since 2017, I've been, um, I kind of dove in real heavy 2017 um, in the Phoenix market and been going, um, growing in the Phoenix market only uh, ever since. And then uh, outside of real estate is, is the kids, man. I'm, like I said, I have four. My son is playing football now. Uh, we start in, in January. Um, Rashad is actually my assistant coach. I'm the head coach, Rashad's assistant coach. His son is eight. So both of our kids will be on our team and yeah, we're coaching football. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's so, that's so sick. Um, what's the, what's the name of your guys' football team? So we, we had, we had three choices, right? <laughs> they gave us a list of all these teams. So we had to pick three. Um, there was probably half the NFL teams in there. <laughs> I chose the Cowboys, the Falcons and the Raiders and they gave us the Cowboys. Okay. Okay. I, I probably should have left them off the list. But, <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised it wasn't the Steelers. They, they didn't have them on there. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we're the Cowboys. Cool. Nice. That'll be fun. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's super fun. Yeah, Marcus. I know you're you're real big in the real estate and uh, finding like I, I, on Instagram. If you follow Marcus on Instagram, you guys can see that he's doing a lot of good work with uh, flipping properties and making them affordable and available to the broader community, which is really cool. But on top of that, too. You do a lot of like charity work as well. Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah. So I've, I've been running a uh, turkey drive every year um, just before Thanksgiving um, in South Phoenix, where I grew up. Um, I think we're year seven. I'll have to check my Instagram to double, to double check. <laughs> that, but I think we're seven years. We've been running a turkey drive um, in South Phoenix. And then uh, just uh, some random stuff here and there. I'm trying to be more consistent with other things outside of the turkey drive. Um, but we do a bunch of random things, um, trying to set something up for Christmas still for, um, some group home kids. Um, but, but just trying to get back really, um, mm -hmm. trying to get back and, and have fun doing it. That's cool. That's do you, very cool. I, I know you like incorporated like one of the local basketball teams, right. To help out the, the Turkey drive this year. Yeah. And, uh... So we have, yeah, sorry to cut you off. We, no, have, we have different teams every year. So. I think last year we had the girls soccer team. Um, this year we had the boys basketball team, and it's usually a team from South Mountain Community College. So they always they'll volunteer to help us out. Nice. Now with that, like, did you have any experiences like that when at OSU that kind of led you to kind of do the same thing after your playing career? Uh, not that I can recall. Um, I know when I was younger, there was some guys every year that would come and buy. Um, we went to the boys and girls club, and there was some guys that would come and buy um, a truckload of, or bring a truckload of Chuck Taylors, right, for all the kids that went to the boys and, and they would like hand them out. And um, I, ever since I, I experienced that, I want to do something like that, you know, and then uh, um, 
American Gangster is one of my favorite movies, watching Frank Lucas pass out the turkeys. I always wanted to do that, you know. Um, but yeah, that's probably really about it. Cool. Nice. But I'm sure like this just sets like a good example for the these players as well to just know, hey, it's a use your platform, do what you can and you know, giving back is always like a, a great thing to do. And yeah. admirable I mean, the, best, well. the best part, what I like most about it is being able to communicate with the, the young athletes. Mm-hmm. Right? You have the college kids that uh, that aspire to do obviously big things. Um, so letting them kind of pick my brain and then showering them with uh, with uh, some good information, I think, is always one of the, the most exciting things about it for me. What about like on the financial side? Do you ever give them any advice or, or talk through the, like you said, you know, earlier tonight, like uh, what your experience was like and what led to your decisions to say, Hey, like I'm going to put my money into something that's going to make me more money. Yeah. I, I try to share that with anybody who wants to listen, mm-hmm. um, especially when it comes to young kids or um, high school kids, college kids, my younger brothers in high school at Chandler high where I went. Mm-hmm. So I go up there, I talk to them about it um, and just really try to let them know it's, it's not, it's not what you think it is, right? A million dollars is not what you think it is. Um, you know, $2 million is not, it's not what you think it is. It doesn't last as long as you think it would last, mm-hmm. you know? So um, I try to try to get them to make smarter decisions with their money now, and then hopefully they'll do the same thing in the future. Cool. That's awesome. Um, so Marcus, bringing it back to football here for a second. Uh, number one, were you able to watch much of the OSU team this year? Um, and if so, uh, what do you think, um, about the team this year and the progress that they've made under Jonathan Smith? I have not, um, I've been on the move. I haven't been able to watch much Oregon State, much Pittsburgh. Um, I'm upset about it, but on the flip side, the time (laughs) spent with the family is great. You know, um, I do check the stats afterwards, of course. And, uh, from everything I've seen, they're on the up and up. Um, he's doing a great job with that team. Um, it's been a, a tough, a really tough, obviously, um, few years, but it's been six, seven years. Um, but just to see the progress that they made this year has been amazing. I think I caught maybe two or three games. Um, their, their old line looks amazing. Um, they're running the ball extremely well. And, uh, I think when, when you have, when you can run the ball real well, you can compete, you know? Um, so right. it's good to see them being able to run the ball. For sure. Yeah, it, it has been, you know, we, we talk about it probably on or have talked about it in every episode of this show, just, you know, how it's been, you know, eight years since bowl eligibility. And I know your uh, your final year um, at Oregon State was that 2012 season, Marcus, which was <clears throat> one of the best teams that Oregon State has had, uh, you know, ranked seven in the nation at one point uh started six and zero. uh do you have like a, a when you think back on your playing career at oregon state is there a certain game a certain play or like a certain memory uh that you're a part of that uh sort of uh sticks out to you oh man there's, there's a few games that year um i think early in the season early in the season because we didn't we didn't know how how good we were um obviously you go into every season hoping that you can win it all but um, the last couple of years were rough, right? Yeah. We had rough yeah. seasons those those couple of years before. And I think that senior class that we had was incredible, right? Going into the off season, right at the end of the season, going into the off season, we started kind of um, connecting with the guys and, and started that push right then. Um, I think uh, myself and Jordan Poirier um, as the captains kind of led the charge and 
And it was a crazy, from the jump, we go out and, um, was it Wisconsin? Something happened with our first game and they, they had to cancel it or something. And we ended up playing that game on the back end. Was it Nich- Nichols State or something, right? Yeah, yeah. it was Nichols. That, that was the hurricane in Louisiana. They yeah. couldn't oh, that's right. Before. Yeah. Yep. So we really wanted to play that game because we felt like we had a really good team, right? And that was kind of our warm up per se to go play to get our revenge on Wisconsin, who kicked our ass <laughs> the year before. Right. I was, I was, I was in Wisconsin for that game. It wasn't Are the you? most fun I've had and as, a, <laughs> an, as an away fan decked out in Oregon State stuff. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's I'm all sorry. good, man. I, 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 I still had a good time, so it was yeah. fun. Donnie Hecker had a negative punt. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now look at him. Yep. Yeah, it, it, was, it right. was a rough game for all of us. I, sorry to throw you under the bus, Johnny, but it was a, it was a rough <laughs> game for all of us. And we got our ass kicked. I think it was 35 nothing. Um, And we, we thought, or the next year, we, we knew, we thought we had a, a really good team going into it. We were excited to go beat up on Nickel State. That got canceled. We're like, fuck, we got to go play Wisconsin. They played the week before, right? So mm-hmm. they they got warmed up and they're ready to go. They get to iron out some kinks. And we have our first game against Wisconsin, who murdered us the year before. So we went out there and won that game. Uh, Brandon Cooks was introduced to the world that day. And then on, we went, what, six, seven straight. And um, I think after that one, and um, we went to UCLA and played. Um, yeah, yeah, that was that game it, at UCLA. I think it was a, a tenth rank ranked UCLA, something like that. Mm-hmm. And then we beat them. Brandon Cooks had 130. I think I had 150, and it was a crazy day, bro. And I <laughs> yeah. think after that game, after that game, I think we knew that we had something. Right. You know? Yeah. I, I'm glad you brought up a uh, Jordan Poyer too, uh, as as other captain who has, uh, you know, he was a, a late round draft pick and kind of bounced around a little bit, but has now become like one of the premier safeties in the NFL, arguably one of the best defensive backs in the NFL. Like what was, what was he like as a teammate? And just like, did you, like, I I know like whenever these uh, success stories of, you know, late round picks happen, uh, the sort of mainstream media sort of acts like, like they came out of nowhere. But when you like look back on their stories, someone, you know, more with their teammates, their coaches saw it. And I'm just, you know, cu- curious, you know, did you always like know playing with uh, Jordan that uh, he, he had this, this ability to be one of uh, the, the best defensive backs in the world? I'm, I'm not going to lie and say I did. He was in college when he first got there, he was probably the smartest when it comes to football. He probably still is the smartest, one of the smartest guys I ever met when it comes to football IQ. Right. And that's why he's doing what he's doing right now in the NFL. Um, but he had that, not that, but he had a lot of that when he first got to college. Right. And that's why he was able to compete with the older guys as a freshman um, because of his football IQ. It wasn't like he was um, overly gifted physically, um, but he was just so smart. But um, <clears throat> I'm sorry. What was your question again? Just did you, are you at all surprised seeing that like, oh, no, know, no, now, no. Now, now it's like 10 years like that he's been in the league and he's, you yeah. know, still playing at like this all pro. Yeah. Level. I think if you, if you, if you look at the guys that play a long time, it's, it's usually the really smart guys, mm-hmm. right? You have to have a, a really smart football, a really high football IQ to play for a long time. Um, because then you start to slow down in, in year, what, eight, nine, ten, whatever it is. You know, if you if you don't have a really high football IQ, then you can't continue to play at a high level. Um, and he had that from the jump, like I said. So I think if I had to guess who would play the longest, I think he would have he would have been my guess for sure. 
Um, but for him to be doing what he's doing is unreal. Yeah, Marcus, how much do you attribute, like, what, or like, I guess, where's the turning point in athletics where the mental game becomes as important as talent? Is that after, like, once you're really getting more playing time in college, you see that even below that at a high school level, and then most of your college teammates were high IQ guys? Or like, where do you think that it kind of discerns uh, and, and, and splits for, for athletes? Uh that's a tough question. That's a good one, though. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like it. You can see it in high school. You can see it. You can see it pre-high school. You can see it in in um, in little league. But I feel like there's there's guys that are extremely gifted physically, right? I've seen guys at the highest level play high level football, right, for a good amount of time, strictly off of being physically gifted, you know. And you get in the huddle with them or in the in the in the locker room with them, and it's like. <laughs> bro, do you not understand what's happening? You know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> seriously, it's like there's a lot of guys. Yeah, there's a lot of guys that don't don't know the X's and O's, right? right? But they're so physically gifted that they can make it work. And then there's vice versa. You will see a guy that's like, bro, how are you even playing at this level, right? But <laughs> but mentally, they have it all figured out. Their instincts are on a hundred, and right, they know the X's and O's. So I think there's um, there's there's uh, it's it's a lot of that going around, and it, it you can see it at all three levels, right? High school, college, and um, in the NFL. Um, but I think you see in college, you see guys. I think I, college because there's such a huge gap between the good and the and the bad. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. right? There's there's people that that are not. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to word this. <laughs> <laughs> So check this out. There are, there are guys that go to the NFL, uh, Justin Jefferson, right? As soon as he gets to the NFL, he's this, right? Yeah. But he was playing college football last year against guys that are sweeping floors, right? And and never had a chance at the NFL. You get what I'm saying? So there's in college, because of the the, the big spread and big difference, you you can you can um kind of identify it easier. That's a player starts that separating themselves a bit. Yeah. So with uh with you Rashad, Brandon Cooks, and Jordan Poyer, uh, all playing on that 2012 team. Um, could you just give us like a sneak peek into what practice was like, uh, how you guys made each other better, um, and uh, and if you think that that was sort of a catalyst for you guys all having, um, you know, fairly su- successful careers after Oregon State? Absolutely. I think when you have on any team, when you when your best guys are the hardest workers. I, I feel like that's when you have a really good team, right? Because everybody will kind of follow suit. If your best guys kind of loaf off and relax and don't don't practice hard, then everybody behind them, the young guys, the freshmen, the sophomores, the, the juniors, they, they think they can be good and not work hard. You get what I'm saying? So that's when you have a team that's sort of mediocre or underachieved. Um, uh, so I think with that team coming into or right after that junior year we had coming into our senior year, um, I think our junior year, those that group of guys you just mentioned were the hardest workers, right? A lot of the hardest workers. So going into that senior year, right, we kind of set the tone and everybody's followed suit. So practice was hard as hell, right? Because you have um, in one-on-ones and in 707 and team, right? We got guys going 110%, right? So we're getting better every day. Then we go watch film, then we figure out how to, oh, I seen Rashad did this and did that. And I'm, me and B. Cooks is plotting on, shot in in uh in j 
right? And yo, he do this when you do this, keep hitting them with this or don't do that. And you know what I mean? And they doing the same thing and we're making each other better. So now we get in the game and me and B Cooks go crazy. And then Rashad and Jay Poe are going, you know what I'm saying? Going crazy yeah. on, the, on the other end, right? And that happened across the board, which made our team kind of take off. In my opinion, for sure. Wait, so, so who won in practice more, the receivers <laughs> or the DBs that yeah, year? We won. <laughs> I, I wish Rashad was here to defend himself, but yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Uh, but it's we should win, and especially in one on ones, we sh- it's, right. It's it's if we're not winning in one on ones, we're we shouldn't be out there. Right. Well, I also I can imagine that like anytime you guys went into a game, you could you knew that the DBs weren't as good as what you'd faced in practice all week. And that's, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that confidence, I think in this game is, is, uh, is so important. Right. right. And like you said, when you're practicing that hard against guys that are that good, you go into the game feeling like nobody can stop you. For sure. Um, and I think that was um, on both sides. So out, uh, outside of uh, any, any of your Oregon state teammates, who is the, uh, who is the best defensive back you think you ever lined up against or whoever like was like the, either the smartest like uh, a Poyer type player or just you know who was uh just a step above uh you know the, the rest of the the talent that you ever found yourself on uh, on the opposing side of um I, w- I would have to say William Gay William Gay is a is a I want to say he was in the league for 10 11 years um but he's one of those really smart guys right physically he's he's not gonna do anything crazy but he he's two steps ahead every play right and he was a guy that i faced off with in um in practice right he played for pittsburgh and um he moved into the nickel when we went three wide so i went against him every single day and literally every day i'll pull him to the side like bro how did you know that like why why did you do that like and i feel like that again helped me going into um battles on sundays um but i didn't fortunately i, I played in the slot Right. We had Antonio Brown on the outside who attracted some heavy hitters. So um, I didn't get to face off or didn't have to face off with a lot of those heavy hitters because of him being on the outside. For sure. Awesome. All right. Well, Marcus, uh, you know, that's uh, all, all the questions uh, that uh, that we have for you. Uh, thank you so much for uh, yeah, for taking the time to chat cool. with us. This cool. is awesome. You know, we were we were in school at the at the same time. And that that, uh, that 2012 okay. team was a. Uh, one of the the most fun seasons that uh you know we've ever got to live through so um happy we got to get another bowl season uh on the books uh did you guys win the game what's that you guys went to the game the bowl game nah the (laughs) we're all in different cities and (laughs) the the, so like the the flights right now just with uh i think holidays and covid is crazy so like Mm -hmm. uh benny and jay are both still on the west coast i'm in the midwest and like flights to la were like 900 bucks or something like that when it was I, still when bad from portland but like i also had yeah. my daughter's first birthday party yesterday so i don't think i can miss that <laughs> right and we we we, D, we dm jimmy kimmel to try to get him to come on the pod and he didn't answer no uh, good <laughs> so totally ghosted us yeah right. um well, i'll just dm see if i can get him over <laughs> yeah awesome. there you go awesome. <laughs> appreciate that <laughs> Marcus, uh, before you go, do you got anything you want to plug to the, the Beavers, uh, Beaver fam that's listening? Actually, I do. Elevate Worldwide. Y'all go to elevateworldwide.com, my homeboys, um, clothing line, um, No Lag Nation. Y'all go check out their website. Um, these are guys that, that um, I've built really good relationships with. Um, they're really good people, and they have great clothing. So cool. y'all go check them out. 
That's for awesome. Sure. We'll make sure that the links are in the uh, the description on the podcast here too. Oh, thank you. Uh, and we'll we'll tweet out links to that as well. And uh, also uh, follow follow Marcus on Instagram. That's uh, at Tay Tay Wheaton T A E Wheaton uh, on Instagram, and I believe it's the same handle on Twitter. Uh, so yeah, so give a uh, give Marcus a follow if you're not already following Damn. Marcus Wheaton and you're listening <laughs> yeah. to this podcast. I don't know what you're doing, but in case you aren't, uh, get at get at Marcus. Um, uh, Marcus, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this was uh, a lot of fun, and good luck with the rest of the holiday shopping. And uh, we 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 won't spoil the gifts that you gave us a sneak peek to. Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah. So uh, have a great uh, holiday uh, uh, with your family. And again, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to join us here. Yes, yeah, thank you, time, Marcus. Happy holidays. Happy you too. Holidays, Happy man. holidays. Nice, dude. He's such nice. a cool ass dude. Yeah, he's fun, man. Rashad's here. Oh shit! <laughs> All right, should we just interview Rashad now? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. Okay, I guess it's I guess it's separate. Um, <laughs> that we'll fi- we'll figure it out. Hey, Rashad, how's it going, man? Yeah, I'm doing all right. My apologies, fellas. My apologies, man. I got caught up with the kids. My apologies, man. Hey, all it's, good, man. No worries it's, at it's all. It's all good. You you just missed Marcus, but may, maybe this will be e- e- even better because uh, okay. now, okay. now <laughs> yeah. we can get you uncensored. Uh, so that you know, because we did, we asked a little bit of uh, uh, from Marcus about uh, what it was like in practice between the receivers and the and the DBs during that great 2012 season. <laughs> we won't we won't open with that, um, but we'll uh, okay. we, we'll start with. Um, just uh giving you a chance to sort of update uh you know our our listeners we call the beaver fam beaver nation they're always uh curious to hear uh how uh what our alums are doing after uh life after football um so just sort of like what have the last uh, few years of your life been like and what are you uh up to uh since you uh hung up the cleats got you first and foremost again man fellas i do want to say my sincere apologies man oh um, no worries man yeah, I, I've not been, a problem I've been... Oh man. Uh, but this last couple of years it's been great. Um actually it's been you know whirlwind being done playing. I'm trying to figure out the biggest thing is just honestly figuring out who I was, you know, as a person. Um outside of a football player. I've you know been wrapped up been playing football since I was five. So mm-hmm. um, you know, once I finished, it was definitely some soul searching that happened. Um, but outside of that, man, just really uh, got into got into the work workforce a little bit. I kinda I worked for a um a company called Capstone Partners, right? It's a financial company. Mm-hmm. Um, so essentially, you know, have my my life, my life insurance, health insurance. Um, so I was basically essentially doing that for about a year, and then from there, kind of just started my own, um, you know, company. And, and now I'm working in personal injury and also um, investing in real estate. So um, those are pretty much my my main two um, niches right now. And um, over the last couple of years, I've had um, two kids. Right, one as of last week. Which is why, oh, wow. congrats. which is why we've been. Yeah, congratulations, man! Sorry to pull you away, man. I know how it goes. Now, I, now I feel terrible about asking you to come on the show. Oh no, you all good? You all good? Then I have I have a baby girl who's a year and a half who I just put to sleep, man. Which is why I was uh, kind of late doing this, but um, and then I have a seven year old boy. So my wife, three kids. I was married last last October. So that's kind of been, you know, what I've been doing these last last three years, man. Congrats as well. Congrats. Awesome. Yeah, lots to celebrate. Happy to hear that, man. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> and, it. And you're coaching football with Marcus Wheaton, as we just I am. learned. Yeah. I am. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. How's, how how I, I get he said you guys are starting in January, uh, uh-huh. another another season. Nice. So how's the preparation for that going? 
honestly, what, what we'll typically do is, you know, we see each other almost every day. Our kids go to school together um, and they're about a year apart. So uh, more than likely, I'll probably go to his house or he'll go to my house. Um, and then we'll just, you know, put together a game plan on, you know, what we're going to do, how we're going to run practice and things like that. Um, typically, you know, he handles the offense and then I'll handle the defense. Um, just given that, you know, that's that's what we know know best. And then um, from there, you know, get our little guys going and, you know, go have some fun and, and take it from there. Nice. <laughs> that's awesome. Who, nice. who do you think is more excited, your guys' kids or you guys? Us, of course. <laughs> of course. Yes. 100%. The <laughs> kids don't really, you know, they, they're just going to do it. They just like to have fun and be around friends and talk Pokemon all day. Um, for us, you know, for us, that's where we, we like to, uh, of course, we, we want them to have fun, but you know, we are competitors, so we want to win. And then, right. you know, just us being, you know, who we are, the, the parents expect us to, to, you know, teach these kids right. So, um, but it's definitely 100% us, 100% us, um, for sure. That's awesome. Yeah, Rashad, like when, when, with the kids, though, do they like to follow in their dad's footsteps? Are they trying to play the same positions, wear the same numbers, or are you luring them to like a different position? To be honest, the funny part is my son, um, he doesn't know positions at all. Mm-hmm. He he rarely watches football at all. He okay. just likes to play sports. Yeah. So um, on, he, he doesn't care what he's playing. As long as he's playing, um, that's that's all that matters to him. But I'm sure Chaos the same way, um, which is Marcus' son. Um, they both just like to go out there and compete and have fun. So um, they don't really worry too much about, you know, worrying, you know following dad's footsteps too much, at least not yet. Cool. For sure. And I know we just went over how damn busy your life is. So yep. <laughs> this yep. is another kind of, you know, uh, just uh, luxurious question. But uh, were okay. you able to the, to follow uh, Oregon State's uh, season uh, this year much? Um, and if so, like, ha- uh, what are your impressions of uh, how Jonathan Smith is doing um, so far with, uh, with the rebuild? I guess it's not really a rebuild anymore since the team's doing better. But yeah. Yeah. Um, honestly, yeah, I, I definitely follow follow. Um, you know, Oregon State watched every game that I could that I could catch, which is most of them. Um, so, you know, I, I obviously I'm a you know, beaver for life. So I want to see these kids you know, go out there, you know, have fun, compete, but but also, you know, win and um, you know, make build that tradition you know, that we had, at least I know when I was there as well, and get back to our winning ways. And um, I think having somebody who not only played in the program, but who's a great coach. Um, you can tell he's a great leader. You know, I've met him a couple of times going up there. Um, and, and then I think the biggest thing that I'm seeing as well is just the recruits that we're getting. Um, it's just a different style of recruits, in my opinion, from when we were there. And, um, and not just when we were there, but just over the years, I should say. So um, I'm, I'm definitely glad in the direction we're going as a program. Um, and, you know, I'm really excited. I'm really excited to, really excited just to see, you know, where, where they go. Um, these next couple of years and you know I think I think we're definitely heading in the right direction for sure you were talking about winning ways obviously the uh-huh. 20 the 2012 season was probably like the I think it was the best start in program history right with the six mm-hmm. no six no start I think um, obviously we're up there <laughs> we we, uh, we asked Marcus the same question but like at what point in that season did you realize that the team was capable of something special that you guys you know, really had like a, a, a turnaround season for the program or like, I guess like a, a like a, a, a launch pad season for the program. Got it. Um, I think it, it really started for us before the season. Um, it was the off season. When I say that was the best off season we've had, hands down, best off season we had. 
from every player, you can just tell the different um, type of energy that we had, you know, not just, you know, when we were on the field, but it, it came down to, you know, conditioning and running and, and working out, all that stuff. We competed, we competed to the team, everything we did, right? So um, I think setting that precedence, doing that kind of carried on into the season, right? And then, of course, you know, you get um, Wisconsin, a team that, you know, had Russell Wilson the year before and, and you know, kind of got after us and having them come to the house and, and you know, handle that game the way we did, especially defensively playing lights out. And, you know, um, that was kind of, in my opinion, one of those games that I was like, okay, we're here. We're here. We, we felt that way. But, you know, that kind of solidified it for us, just knowing, okay, we can play with anybody in the nation. And as long as we do, we have to do. You got shut, nice. shut Money Ball down that game. Hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. I remember like you yesterday. <laughs> that's awesome, uh, Rashad. A, a game that's been brought up a lot recently: uh, the 2013 Hawaii Bowl, um, okay. which before this last weekend was the most recent bowl game that Oregon State had played in. Uh, also, yep. a bowl game in which you were the MVP uh, in a Beaver right. win with with two defensive touchdowns. So, uh, could you give us maybe what your most memorable experience of that game was? Um, most memorable, it was after the game. After the game, being with my teammates, knowing that was the last go around, seeing the excitement on their face, the smiles around, not just from the teammate, everybody in the organization, um, knowing that, you know, we were able to, to capture that win against a good school um, in Boise State. So um, being able to just, just see that, that, or have that feeling one last time um, with, with, you know, the people I've been going, going at it with for 45 years was probably the most, um, you know, satisfying part of the game uh, as far as after the game. But um, during the game, I'll probably say, you know, getting that first, getting that first defensive touchdown, um, getting that first touchdown. I think, I believe, um, if I can remember correctly, Larry Scott may have punched the ball out. And um, I was just, you know, Johnny on the spot, was able to pick it up and, and took it back. And, um, you know, that was a, a big play in the game, too. You know, we caught some momentum and was able to you know, kind of close up that game. And I know I know you played uh, quarterback in high school and, and mm -hmm. scored a bunch of touchdowns in your high school career. You get mm -hmm. to Oregon State and played defense the entire time. So it had to have felt good to score multiple touchdowns <laughs> in your last game, 100%. right? <laughs> 100%. You know, I, I grew up playing – I was a offensive player. I started off playing running back, my receiver – and then quarterback before uh, from time I was like eighth grade until I got to Oregon State. So just like you said, not touching that end zone and then, you know, being able to, to do it twice in a day was amazing, especially on my last, you know, my last game as a Beaver. Um, so that was definitely something that was memorable for sure. One parallel for the, I think, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but Boise State was on their backup quarterback that day, right? I don't know how much preparation you guys had for that game. And then similar to last night's game with, Legas coming in for Bonner, uh, Utah mm -hmm. State's backup quarterback. What does that do for a defense? Like, how much are you guys ready for that kind of change? Uh, especially if you're looking at tape for like their whole season, all of a sudden you've got a new look. Oh, it definitely does. It it, it gives you um, it gets you off balance a little bit for sure. Because you know, for one, you know, I'm not saying the guy's not well, essentially he's not proven. You don't know what he's good at. Um, what what the tendencies are, you know, if he's a runner, um, you kind of have, of course, you have your scouting reports, you can see certain things, but, um, you know, things are different when you when you get those live bullets. So when you're going to a game plan, you know, scheming, 
a certain way and that just gets thrown out essentially right once that person goes down it's like at that point you're kind of defensively trying to play catch up a little bit um depending upon you know the abilities that 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 you know, that second string person you know brings brings it to the to the you know the fold there so um it definitely could could throw you off a little bit for sure yeah so this this is another question that that we had for uh marcus here um but in that 2012 season you had uh you and uh jordan poyer on the defensive uh -huh. side and uh -huh. brandon cooks and marcus on the offensive side give uh -huh. us a sense of of what practice was like during that 2012 year <laughs> and and how it made you guys better uh, on saturdays and then going oh, forward man. in your careers I, simply put we got after it we got after it. we challenged each other um, I know me and Marcus, like to this day, you know, that's one of my best friends, man. So we definitely challenged each other. There was a lot of um, trash talking, for sure. A lot of trash talking, a lot of competition, um, especially, you know, the funny part is, you know, you guys coach Brennan, and who, who got there, I believe, which is their receiver coach a year before, I want to say. And he's a fiery cat. He's really out there. He's really energetic. So having him with that energy, I feel like kind of brought out a little bit of trash talk and stuff um, within Brandon and, and Marcus, if that made sense. So um, it was definitely something, you know, when you when they say iron sharp and iron, I believe that wholeheartedly. And I think, you know, um, us going against each other every game, every day, every, I mean, not every game, every practice, I should say, uh, definitely helped each and every one of us, you know, take our, our skills to another level. Right. And we asked the same question to Marcus, huh? and I think you can imagine how he answered Let it. Let me see. I want to hear it. We, we, we want to ask the same question to you, too. Who who won more in practice that year? The Come receivers on, man. or the DBs? DBs, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> this is why it's better that we have you on separately now. Yes. <laughs> the receivers are going to say receivers, but they're, they're going to count one-on-ones. That's an offensive. That's, that's, <laughs> that's exactly offensive. what he was doing. That's exactly <laughs> what he was doing. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? They count one-on-ones. Yeah, that's different. You know, when we get in live situations where it's 11 11 7 7 you get to see more as far as myself and Jordan. Um, you know, quarterback can't hold on to the ball the whole time while you're one-on-ones. You know, that, it kind of changed, changed the script a little bit for sure. Awesome. <laughs> I, I have I have one, uh, one – it's not necessarily a follow-up question, but it's a very random question. So okay. um, that next year, uh, you know, the, the 20 – Ben, you just asked you about the 2013 Hawaii Bowl year. Okay. Uh, Oregon State does a great job getting fans excited every year. The, the video department is outstanding. There's always a great new hype video. Your senior year – it was you, uh, Scott Crichton, uh, Brandon, Brandon, Brandon Cooks, uh, uh, Stormwoods, and yes, uh, Michael Doctor. Yes, sir. Doing that in that like superhero like comic book thing where yep. they make it seem like you guys go like hundred levels below Reeser. Uh, incredible video. Was Night Blinder an actual nickname you had, or was that <laughs> something that was made up for that video? It was made up on the spot. Okay. Literally, we all we all made up our names on a like probably within a minute. Uh, they're okay. asking, what, "What do you guys want to be called?" And then we all just started like you know throwing out names. Storms came's the the easiest. Um, you know, I believe Brandon or either, either Brandon or myself came up with his. But um, yeah, Night Blind that was just it really just came <laughs> off. I, I don't know who came up with it. I didn't. I didn't even come up with it. I want to say it was either um, Storm or or B Cooks who came up with that one, and we kind of just <laughs> just rolled with that one. 
Right. Well, <laughs> I, awesome. I, I ask because we always like, uh, like, so our podcast sells merch too, and we always try to create a special item for every right. every guest we have on. So I don't know if, if you have affection for the name Nightblinder, we might use it. <laughs> if, if, if not, we might come up with something different. Hey, that's um, just, there's no problem. No problem over here, man. You know, it's definitely something that for me was memorable. I still have that. They had posters uh, made of us. So I still have it. It was actually made of cardboard. So I have that to this day. Um, so yeah, I definitely have, you know, or I guess you could call it a little man cave or some, yes. you know, some Oregon state memorabilia in there for sure. For sure. We, we do cool. need to let you know before we let you get out of here that we, we had a, um, like sort of, we did a, uh, Twitter spaces on Wednesday night and we had okay. a, some, some great fan accounts that just, uh, tweeted at a bunch of different Oregon state, uh, you know, Twitter followers and uh, former players showed up and stuff. And one of them was, uh, James Dockery. Who, okay. who was with the program for a while. And he yep. mentioned, he said, he said, I, we didn't uh, get this out of him at all. He just naturally said he had a authentic Oregon State number 16 jersey in yep. his closet. He said, when I say Oregon State number 16, who do you think of? And everyone said Rashad Reynolds. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think he watched Search for someone was like, I think yep. Nate Engstrom was number 16. I think Champ Fleming <laughs> started as number 16. But yes, yeah. so you got a nice little shout out on our Twitter spaces. Oh, that's right. love. Right? That's love, Beaver Nation. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, <laughs> Doc, Doc was, um, I mean, he was kind of like a mentor for me coming into the program. You know, he was an older cat. And then we actually room together um, every year. So you'll have, you know, somebody you room with on the road or even at home, home game. So Doc was my roommate. Um, so when they did, I remember he was in the league at the time when they did um, have my jersey. And this is funny, he started to have my jersey in the in the, in the um, store. And uh, I remember coming to a game afterward. He was like, man, what the heck? They got, your, they got your jersey in the store? I never had my jersey in the store. So he was a little bitter about that. But then, he, then, he, then he comes, you know, yeah. takes off the sweater. And he has a, he had a 16 jersey on, man. So I'm definitely, man, much, much, big prop to, to James. It might have been the same jersey that he was talking it about. Probably was. <laughs> probably was. I remember yeah. it was a black jersey. It was a black, it was a black home jersey that he that he had on. That's, that's awesome. Amazing. Yeah, that's funny. I love <laughs> that. Um, well, we want to let you get out of here, uh, Rashad, but we, we ended with Marcus on a similar question. We asked okay. him who is the most uh, talented non-Oregon uh, State teammate DB that he ever uh, went up against. And I'm just curious, okay. who who is the most uh, talented uh, wide, rece- wide receiver you ever had the uh, um, chance to defend? I would I would say, um, and it's crazy, I, I went up against him in college and then was actually teammates with him in Jacksonville. Um, and I'll have to say Marquise Lee. Um, yeah, yeah. I say Marquise Lee. Reason being is, um, honestly, obviously we knew what he can do once he had the ball in his hand. Uh, but it's like I was still in the market. It's something about his release that's just a little different from 98% of the releases that I've seen. The way he's kind of able to uh, maneuver. And he has a, a weird wide stance when he does his, his stuff, man. But I will happily definitely say Marquise Lee just because, you know, how quick he is. He has speed as well. Um, unfortunately, you know, he just wasn't able to, to, to be healthy in the league so far. So uh, Marquise, that would go to Marquise for sure. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. And, and Rashad, before you go, uh-huh. you don't have to have an answer to this, but like uh, anything that you'd like to plug for the listeners? Anything I like to plug? Yeah. Beaver Nation. That's it. Beaver okay. Nation, these guys right here. <laughs> nice. I like to plug these guys right here for taking their time out, you know, getting this getting this old Beaver on the show, man. And it, it definitely uh, was good to to reminisce and uh, talk about, you know, some, some old um, key memories for me man so shout out to you guys appreciate that man right. thanks man thank you Rashad. yeah we'll, we'll definitely ask you to come on the show again sometime yeah let's definitely. do it let's do it and this this time we make sure we have ample time where we can sit down yeah. and 
and have we have can we can get you Marcus on simultaneously, and you can uh, settle that old score of who won the most Let's in practice in that, that twenty twelve. <laughs> <laughs> we we won't even turn our mics on. We'll just turn hand it over to you guys. That's right. <laughs> yeah. No, I, right, I love it. I, no, I definitely you know love to, to come on again. Um, you know, if you guys have the availability, then we can kind of take it from there. Yeah, for, for sure, sure, man. Right. Absolutely. All right. Well, happy you. holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy. Same to yeah. you. Same yeah. to you, man. I appreciate each and every one of you. All right. Yeah. Thank go you, Beavs. Rashad. Go All right, fellas. Go Beavs. Go Beavs. That was fun, too. <laughs> that was so fucking cool. <laughs> Dude, my, Marcus texted me like five minutes into that. was like, that was great. Nice to meet you guys. Sorry we couldn't get Rashad on. He just had another baby two weeks ago, so I'm sure his hands are full. Tell the fellas that I enjoyed it. And I think I, I'm just going to be like, I meant, I meant to be like, we're we're on with him right now, and he's talking shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, this is uh, this wow. That was uh, I, I that was so fun. I, I, I initially would have much preferred to have them out at the same time, but uh, Marcus I'm and Rashad back to back. It's great. That was fantastic. Shout outs to both Marcus Wheaton and Rashad Reynolds. Um, despite having way more uh, paternal responsibilities than we do collectively, uh, making time to, to sign on and, and chat with us. That was so much fun. Uh, we definitely need to do it. Not right away. We'll let some, uh, we'll let some time pass, but we definitely have to have the follow-up episode where we talk about the receivers versus DBs, 2012, uh, practice, practice battles. Because um, I'm God, there was so much talent on that team, and I just I, yeah. I love that they were able to recall everything so clearly. Yeah, we'll have to have a, a a throwback play a throwback playback to when they both were very very confident in saying that either the DBs <laughs> or the receivers won uh, won the battle. <laughs> That's pretty hilarious. I, I love so that Rashad hard. knew exactly why Marcus said they won. That was fun. No, this made football like fun again. I mean, this made me feel better about the bowl game. It makes me excited about just like the players and the program and what they got to experience and like their what they take with them afterwards and how much love they still have for Beaver Nation, like years and years later. Like these players are going through this now. It's a learning experience. It's been it's it's great that we got this as like a a, like a, I don't know, like a, a monumental jump for where the program has been for the last eight years to get to a bowl yep. game. Obviously, the game ended. Well, the game really went from the from first play onward, not how we wanted to go. Uh, it's it was disappointing to end the season that way. It's kind of wild to see um, the dichotomy of how beaver fam is talking about this game i think there are a lot of people who really dealt with these last eight years head on because they were there like us or before and they're looking at this as like a like a thank god we're 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 relevant again and and in the trajectory it isn't like we just eclipsed relevancy but we've actually like the trajectory is like we broke through the barrier of irrelevancy Yep. And we're back on that trajectory. And I think that some some people who who knew that we've had some disappointing seasons, but maybe haven't had to deal with them so long term because they're younger or whatever, like 
or they just started really paying attention, I feel like they're the ones who have been reading are the most disappointed. And understandably, because when you're in your prime collegiate years, you want, you expect the best. We did too. And yeah. so it's just very interesting to like follow along on social media, to see the chatter, to just g- grasp the, um, the pulse of Beaver Nation and, and how it's, it's different um, between eras, I guess. But yeah. And just a, a couple things to piggyback off of. Number one, uh, there is two full cycles of students that went through Oregon yeah. State that have not experienced a bowl you game. You weren't on that, the spaces. Eight years. You weren't on the spaces. We talked about this. I said that the okay. seniors, the seniors in this game were in eighth grade the last time we played in a bowl game. Yeah. The seniors <laughs> the seniors on this team, when they were freshmen, the seniors on the team had not played in a bowl game. Like it's just been so yeah. long since um since anyone close to the program has has enjoyed that so yeah there are a lot of beaver fans out there that have this is the best we've been since they've been a beaver fan um so those are the people that i'm most excited for too um i would uh say one one other thing like so when avery roberts and we're recording this on sunday so yesterday he had uh tweeted out that he is foregoing his senior year and going to the nfl which is something that um you know i think we we expected uh and and i had a thought when he had done that which was kind of like you know i understand but there's but you're sort of sad to see someone that has put that much blood sweat and tears into the program leave and it's just sort of a sad moment but talking with rashad and with marcus you come to realize like they're not leaving the program they're just moving to a different sort of yeah they're moving just to a different sort of um uh, realm of of what it means to be uh, a beaver and and you know once a beaver always a beaver i think oregon state does do a fairly decent job of keeping the um beaver football alums especially the ones that made a big impact still involved in the program if they want to be um i mean shit, we, we have a former player as our head coach so um but yeah, <laughs> yeah that 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 really made me happy to see like it's it's not these players they're not leaving they're just moving on to a different um sort of realm as as a beaver so right. true like and, they're not they're not uh, Saturday staple anymore, but they right. uh, they're still as involved or as like they they back the uh, the Beaver fam as much as they ever have. Yeah, and if, and if you're in Robert's position too, like I believe he's graduated at this point. Yeah, so right. It's like go go make more money. Yeah, yeah. You can either play for free or play for money. Yeah, like you you've earned it. You've done what uh, you can. Um, we'll 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 find out more players. Uh, it's it's is difficult to track, you know, who will be back and who who won't be. Uh, just with eligibility rules and stuff. We know Roberts won't be back. Uh, Tegan Quatoriano uh, announced that he was. Uh, entering the draft uh the 2022 draft as well and we wish uh tegan the best of yeah life. definitely Hell yeah. yeah huge like man because like just i remember like three years ago seeing you know tegan in games and the fact that he's still here like because there were those were there were some bad beats and i don't want to throw anyone under the bus who is around during like that time because everyone was clearly trying their hardest trying just grasping at straws to like get this program back to something and obviously it just doesn't happen quickly so guys like tegan been through it absolutely been through it so yeah. even though 
you know, you you lose the Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl, <laughs> which it's not the send off that you deserve. But also, I think we can all look back on this and look back on that career and be like, yeah, you were part of the group that put in the work to climb, get this program to climb out of hell to steal Al Pacino's quote from any given Sunday, one of the best speeches ever. JP, please play five seconds of Al Pacino's piece with inches speech <laughs> from any given Sunday. We can stay here, get the shit kicked out of us, or we can fight our way back into the light. We can climb out of hell. We um, almost made it a whole episode with that. Never, <laughs> I will not ever let a whole episode pass. I probably have at least once, but uh, yeah. So Tegan uh, announced that um, we're we're losing um, the Andre Hughes Murray. I think for sure. Uh, Keontae Shad tweeted he's also out of eligibility. Uh, Keontae almost had a pick six that he really could have put the game down. It was so close. Yeah, uh, I would have been so happy for him. Uh, he was a huge player. For, I knew we kind of knew we were only going to have him for one year, but he's been a huge player. And honestly, met very briefly, very briefly met uh, some some of his family uh, in West Lafayette at Purdue, and they were they were very That's nice right. to me. And also, God, it feels like fucking yesterday we were driving to Purdue, Benny. So I just feel sad that uh, the season's over. It's more melancholy. I'm not disappointed in anybody. Uh, we're going to spend the offseason dissecting this team and what's going forward. So I don't think we need to spend the rest of this episode, which has been super fucking fun. Back to back interviews with Marcus Wheaton and Rashad Reynolds. Um, so, yeah, it's just it really was uh, it, it was a, it was fun to have fun again is sort yep. of my synopsis of the season. There's we've all. I mean, I don't want to speak for anyone, but it was so easy to tune out by like week four, or week five. Last, even last year when we beat Oregon, uh, the day after Thanksgiving, I know the schedule was different. It wasn't quite the last game, but I was. It was kind of like nothing to lose because I'm like, well, I'm not right, really going to follow anything because we're right. This weird COVID year, we're bad. Fuck it. But then we won and it was great. But then the rest of the season was also kind of weird, even though we we're competitive. But like. It was fun to have this like weekly like benchmark where it was like yes it kind of interrupted your weekend a little bit where someone asked you to do something on a Saturday you'd be like all right like well I need to know when when the beeves are playing I want to I, I thought about this earlier today because I agree it it was more fun but I had a lot of fun still with some of those poor seasons you'd find the storylines you'd find the players that were developing into something you can hang your hopes on or just something that made you feel good about being like, hey, this is a this is getting better, you know, and that was still fun. Right. But there's something I think it's like the uh, like the the gamblers, um, I don't know, the gamblers fun and being like, we we have to win. Yeah. I expect us to win, and then you win, and it's more fun. So it yep. wasn't that it became fun again; it just became so much more fun in a way that felt like there was something actually on the line that you almost like it was like double or nothing every yeah. game right you double up and walk away with the win be like hell yeah you walk away with a loss you actually felt the burn of the loss yeah which we didn't have for a lot of seasons even if they were fun to watch the games which they always were fun they just wasn't as fun i couldn't really put my finger on like the whole reasoning behind it but i definitely feel like when there's something to lose, as Terry was saying, when there's, when you feel like you walk away empty, 
from a loss and not the same. It's more fun. It's just more For fun. Sure. So well, and I think I think too. Like after a loss, you know, I think we all probably jokingly said that we reminisced for the time when a loss didn't matter because the season was a loss anyways. Like, and so when seasons, when, when you're playing games that are, uh, that don't mean anything by late October, early November, then a loss doesn't matter. It's, it is what it is. Like it, but these losses hurt. And I don't think that what you instinctively say where you're like, Oh man, I wish that it was back to where losses didn't hurt this bad. Like that in itself is more fun. You have more, like it's more of an emotional tie that you have to the team because, um, you know, those games do matter. And, uh, you're like, we were talking about earlier, you're jockeying for position, um, and that's, that's fun to, we, we had several conversations when we didn't realize that airline tickets were going to be astronomically priced <laughs> of like, would we rather go to El Paso or would we rather go to, you know, Las Vegas, which that was a really bad example, but like those conversations <laughs> are fun. That's a toss up for you though. You love the, El Paso. I do love yeah. El Paso. Yeah, right. that's true. I, I think, yeah, it's definitely a, a season where we can, you know, it's, it's easy to sort of, you know, count your blessings a bit. Like we started this in, in April, sort of coming off the, the heat of the, the men's basketball team a little bit. But what we saw sort of, and not even to pat ourselves on the back over the growth of this show, because we're all just shocked at the support we've found for this. The, the Wednesday Night Spaces was amazing. But even like before the season started, and I don't want to be accused of a sugarcoating Homer here because I do have some thoughts that go the other way a little bit, but where the final over-unders for Pac-12 and college football sort of overall, Oregon State's uh, over-under was set at 4.5. Yep. And just about every national pundit, you know, I listen to the Cover 3 podcast. It's one of, for when I try to get the pulse on national college football coverage, I listen to that. Uh, we watch College Game Day and stuff like that. All of you know the ESPN Herb Streets of the world, you know Danny Cannell's, Desmond Howard type guys. All of them preseason had positive things to say about Jonathan Smith and Oregon State. And some in the case of like cover three people are like, how how many people in the country can name Oregon State's head coach? It's it's <laughs> it's it's, it's outside of Corvallis, Oregon, because it's probably yeah. not many. And even though I was like, God damn it, fuck you guys. But also, you're probably right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, most people yeah. don't know who Jonathan Smith is. And they'd go on these long sort of tangents about, you know, how Jonathan Smith's the right man for this job and that he's doing a great job and the program is in much better hands than it was in like those last three years or something to remember. Even with an over under set at 4.5, saying all those positive things, all of them took the under. All of them took the under, they, <laughs> yeah. mostly because they're like, I can see four. Where's freezing cold or, takes when we need them? Right, but it's but and I'm also like, I'm I'm not, I'm not mad at anyone who any any person outside of like any national pundit who needs to figure do this for every single team in the country. Like I'm I I can't really blame them for saying I can see four. I I'm not gonna put money on them getting five, and we ended up getting seven. Right. Like that's, I, I think we exceeded those expectations and it's hard for the diehard Beaver fan who's watching everything and paying attention to everything and seeing every game to really sort of, you know, reason with that. 
um that that's that we exceeded the mainstream media the people who only talk about alabama and ohio state and shit like i can see i can already feel the beaver fam rolling their eyes at me right now but the fact that from on the outside looking in this appeared to be a program that was going to flirt with a really close over under a four and a half yep and there was disappointing games and stuff like that but we cleared that over under by a lot so I think from the outside looking in, we're pretty far ahead of schedule. And now the only concern is how much more can we expedite this? The where I'm, I'll wrap up my point here and I'll let you talk, Benny. But the like you can see, you've seen in certain college football rebuilds before, there is a coach who can get programs out of the cellar and into bowl games. Yep. But that next step from seven, eight win bowl games to what we sort of what we talked about with Yogi, the nine, 10, 11 win bowl games. And heaven help us a college football playoff appearance someday <laughs> is another hurdle. So we don't have any evidence that we're going to clear that hurdle, but we also don't have any evidence that that's totally impossible. So right. I'm going into the off season feeling pretty good about ourselves right now. Yeah. Well, I think that um, it, it's sort of weird that the over under was set at four and a half looking back. And I think at the beginning of the season, um, you know, we gave our our home predictions, but at the beginning of the season, I think that we were we wouldn't have been surprised if it was a four win team. But we had Sam Neuer coming into the program, who was I think second team All Pac ten or uh, Pac twelve last year. Um, we had a wide receiver core, which we. I mean, we were so excited about it. We could have dedicated an entire episode to our, our wide receivers. Um, and our defense, we, we thought that our defense was going to be bad, but our offense was, was going to be really good. And if you look at how things played out, like, yeah, Sam Neuer didn't play, but we got consistent play from our quarterback, which I think would have been expected with um, Sam Neuer being the second team right. all Pac-12. Um, and our receivers didn't play terribly, but I wouldn't say that they played great, certainly not to the level that we thought they could have. Um, but our running game was really good, right? So you sort of trade off there. And our defense was dog shit for a good majority of the season, enough to the point where we fired our defensive coordinator midseason. Um, so things sort of played out the way that they should have on paper. Um, and we were a 7-1 team. So it is sort of bizarre. It sort of, sort of just shows you that Corvallis and Oregon State has just been written off for so long that it was easy to do so, and no one blinked an eye at it. Um, but, yeah, that, that was interesting to me, looking back on it now, hindsight being 2020. Um, I also think that uh, getting from where we are now is going to be uh, – getting from where we are now to being – a team that's in the top 15 or even top 10 or like in a dark horse for a playoff spot is going to be significantly harder than getting from where we are when Voldemort left the team to where Jonathan Smith <laughs> has brought it. Like yeah, that yeah, last yeah, push yeah. is just so hard. And I, and I truly think that Jonathan Smith, you have to get kids that are four star, maybe a five star recruited. Like you have, you just have to get kids. And, and Rashad was alluding to it, or maybe it was, Maybe no, it was Marcus that was saying where you have you have kids that are um, really gifted in terms of knowing the game, and you have kids that are really physically gifted. But those four or five star athletes, I feel like those are the kids that 
are physically gifted that also really smart uh, about the game and you need to have those kids in order to be a contender um and i think that it's just really difficult to recruit those kids to corvallis i mean corvallis is we we all loved it but like when you're a four or five star recruit and you are the shit like la seems a little bit more appealing right. so that's, you get a, to that's see a 30 tough... different schools with the red carpet rolled out too right yeah, yeah. yeah so that that's that is a gigantic hill for jonathan smith to climb but i will say like we've talked about it all season too that jonathan smith is getting players that want to be in the program here so he's not going to go out and get a four or five star kid if he doesn't think that they're going to stay with the program um yeah so i don't know if that makes it harder or if it makes it to the point where if he does get four or five star it's a better we will have a better outcome than some of these other schools where you see like the school that not shall not be named down south that has eight nine kids in the transfer portal um i think when you get kids that want to play that that's less likely to happen but i also think that it's harder to get those four or five star kids to come right we need to wrap but uh jp do you want to add any final thoughts you know i early before we started recording, I wanted to maybe talk more about the game, but thinking about it, there really isn't a whole lot to say the game. The game was the game. It didn't go well on offense. And that was the game. But one of the things I thought it, it wasn't that it didn't go well. It was just that we weren't, we didn't stick to our guns. We didn't play clean ball, but everyone kind of did all right. It just wasn't enough. And like, and that's kind of why it's hard to talk about this game and, point fingers or analyze anything. But one thing I thought was really cool was Silas Bolden sighting. I thought that was so cool. The guy hasn't had a reception since the Idaho game. Right. And he had like pretty t- two pretty good plays and receptions uh, in the bowl. So um, excited for the future. I, I just think the, the wide receiver room, as you were talking about, Benny, is was our most exciting unit that we came into the season like looking forward to at least uh, with the potential mm-hmm. that was there. Obviously it was the running game, at least on the offensive side of the ball. If you're trying to pick like a, a MVP uh, unit, but there, there's still so much brightness in, in that uh, wide receiver room for the, the future of, of the program that I think yeah. we're, uh, we're going to see more glimpses of greatness next year in the years to come from guys like oh, yeah. Bolden, guys like Dunmore, it, it's it's an endless list of names that we've already, there's, we've already discussed. No matter what, there's going to be a long list of talent coming back. And we heard both Marcus and Rashad just said that that 2012 season really started the second the 2011 season ended. So yeah, not that I think Chance is a uh, potential Heisman contender, but he easily could level up and and could level up a lot. So yep. I think we're not really going to see it or necessarily hear about how the off season goes. Uh, we'll for, for sure pay attention to spring ball when uh, like our, our friends like Carter Baines and Angie Machado get to go watch practice and then report on it. And we'll, uh, we'll, t- we'll take in that content <laughs> yeah. and see who's doing well and uh, react to it in the belligerent way that we do. But I feel like next, you know, next season starts right now and these guys can be really good. And, uh, We'll 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 see, but there's definitely a lot of pieces in place to have another 2012 and potentially much better than 2012. Yeah. I don't think that needs to be the ceiling. So uh, I, I I hope we get to see it. And honestly, 
happy uh, to bid a melancholy but uh, still fond adieu to the 2021 football season. Uh, JP, please play five seconds of graduation by vitamin C. <laughs> <laughs> can, can i just give uh one, one take from the game and i think um you know if you look back at our conversation with yogi he had mentioned how how much um of was it yogi or was it i think it was yogi where he said how much of a um limb jonathan smith was going out on hiring up um trent bray as a defensive coordinator before uh, before they had a chance to really interview anyone else. I mean, that that's a, a, a huge sign of respect, um, and it sort of puts the pressure on Trent Bray. And so where we go into the, Hawaii, uh, the LA Bowl, um, looking at this from a perspective of like, it's great that we're here, but like, it doesn't really matter who wins or like what, what happens or not as much as a, a normal game would. Um, for Trent Bray, that's not true. Like for Trent Bray, this is his um, one chance in the next, you know, eight months to show Jonathan Smith that he made the right choice. And I, so I think he had a lot of pressure. Um, and I think that's as good as a defense can look with giving up 24 points, right? Like tw giving up 24 points is not necessarily a good look on paper, but that defense um, was well put together. You could see vast improvements. It was by far the best we've seen the defense play outside of Corvallis. They season, did what we needed to, what we needed them to do to win. Yep. To win, to win. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. That's a point. With, without Avery Roberts, too. Right. Yeah. So, and I remember, yeah. that team was – the Aggies were scoring th over 33 points a game. I think, yeah. JP, in the last episode, you shared that yeah. uh, in all of their wins, they scored 26 points or more. So this was the fewest points Utah State scored in a game while also winning, yep. which yeah. isn't necessarily a good thing for our offense to hear. But also lets you know that our, our defense was uh, – taking care of their side of the ball for, yeah. for the most part. We even held them under their average, uh, their, at least uh, their spread coverage yards. So they were like 7-2 and two against the spread, 8-1 and one overall when they had 387 yards in a game. We had, what, like 382 or something? It was just under, but yeah. just under that, that fold. So all in all, whatever. it just was a game. Yeah, whatever. whatever. Yeah, whatever. Fuck it. As we tweeted, fuck it. Fuck it. <laughs> for sure and fuck that and fuck this episode just kidding this was an incredible episode uh thank you so much to a uh, former oregon state wide receiver uh an all-time uh receptions leader in school history marcus wheaton and 2013 uh hawaii bowl mvp rashad rashad reynolds uh the initial plan was to have them at the same time but having them back to back was pretty fun for us uh, i had a great time with it so uh we'll definitely have uh, invite both of them back for another episode um and just beaver fam everyone who's listened and tuned into the spaces another football season has come and gone thank you so much for rocking with us this whole season like we appreciate you so much it's an honor to just make this ridiculous content uh, for, for you for you to consume and to interact with you all on twitter and in uh, you know other public spaces this season i haven't enjoyed an oregon state football season this much in a really long time uh i may even have more fun than i did in 2012 just because of the beaver fam and because we're doing this and because of the support we're uh receiving from um our, our fellow comrades in black and orange so i'm just you know tickled to death 
by by you and also just seeing you two every week is really fun i love you guys we love you we love you too terry and you know what let's keep this going every week even if football we're we're gonna yeah i think the plan is beaver fan for us to keep doing this every week some episodes might be shorter we'll be diving into more basketball and stuff i know the women's team is beating northern iowa right now by 38 to 24 at halftime we'll talk more about them next week um and yeah have a very very merry christmas beaver fam um and if you know if you don't celebrate i hope you had a great holiday season already uh thank you for tuning into our holiday party and had a happy belligemous um thank you again to marcus wheaton and rashad reynolds to all the guests we've had so far on these 28 episodes of the belligerent beef podcast uh, thank you to my co-host JP Bertram and Benjamin Lawrence, Sebastian Mihage, and to you, listener. And remember, you can't spell choppable without hope. H O P E hope. Chop 'em. Chop 'em. Chop 'em.